When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, friends, and welcome to the B-Sides. Hi. Hello. Welcome. Welcome to the B-Sides. The B-Sides is a podcast for people who want justice for Britney Spears and the Amazon rainforest, two topics that are mostly unrelated, but both inextricable from the evils of accelerated capitalism. And heartbreaking. Right. There it is. That's who this podcast is for. I'm Mimi. I'm Hannah Zell. I'm Becky. So here we are today again. You can subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. I'll just say that at the top. If you haven't, but you're listening, I'm not really sure unless this is your first time listening, in which case, welcome. And you can subscribe. We come out every other Wednesday. And subscribing makes it a lot easier to keep up with us and know when an episode is coming out. On this episode, we're going to talk about songs as time capsules in particular some special songs of summer 1999 as this really special songs the really the most special um i would say some would disagree um but this is the last episode of summer 2019 it was it's september but it's extremely hot out yeah, uh, I know. So yeah, is hot. it Becky? Is it still hot in New York? Also, I know it's not that far away. But yeah, no, it's it's still hot. It was pretty hot today. It's, it looks like it's about to rain, though. I don't know about you guys. If you had some rain, it's gonna happen. It's oh, it's oh, it's gonna happen. I'm actually I'm headed to Nashville this weekend for a bachelorette party, and it's gonna be hot as balls in Nashville. Yeah. It's like 92 <sighs> degrees and sunny. Yeah. Are you gonna listen to good music? Yeah, you know, if you think that good music is country pop, then hell yeah, I am. (laughs) I think an episode for a later time will be that I have to admit to myself that I like country music and it's an internal thing that I'm like, oh, I don't like it. But like, I'm a fan. I actually just ordered a pink cowboy hat to wear on the plane. Yes. Oh, my God. Um, That's amazing. I'm excited to go to where Taylor Swift had her formative years. Yes. Oh, yeah. Did you guys watch Nashville, the TV show? Obviously, yes. the question. Hannah did, and I never got into it. And she okay. always would try to get me to get into it. Yeah. I watched the first couple seasons, and then I was like, okay. Um, Let's and then just I got, say that my Spotify top songs playlist of 2016 was all Nashville. Hannah was, like, so into it. I remember you being like, you need to hear well, this well. song. <laughs> you know what? Boys and Buses is a bop. We yeah. stand Connie Britton in a big way. We do. Yeah. We do stand Connie. We do. So that's going to be so much fun. I hope Connie's there. Yes, we stand Connie Britton. And then Friday Night Lights, also a great soundtrack. Mm. Texas Forever. Have you guys not watched Friday Night Lights? Oh, no, I have. Okay, good. I haven't. Oh, Hannah. Oh, uh, crap. 
uh, Hannah Logoff. My cultural <laughs> priorities all backwards. If I've seen all of Nashville and none of Friday Night Lights, yeah, that... Friday Night Lights is the best pilot of a TV show, and I'm ready to fight anyone on that. It is. The, it's the, the best, best first season. It's like an amazing yeah. first season. It you go through the full range of emotion, emotions, and it's like just everything. It's everything. Yeah, Riggins. Plus an intense, a really good. Um, why am I blanking out with the word? It's like an intro song. Theme song. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Very, very moves you. No words, but moves you. Yeah, oh, I love it. Uh, my favorite thing to say about Connie Britton, anytime someone brings up Connie Britton, is a tweet I saw once that said, Laura Dern is the Tilda Swinton of Connie Britton's. <laughs> <laughs> that gives me a lot to think about. I also, I whenever I think of Connie Britton, I think of how she and uh, Kristen Gillibrand were freshman year roommates at Dartmouth. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, because I because I see them. I mean, not anymore, but I would see them um, standing next to each other on on, yeah. on whatever sort of like Facebook videos and be like, "What oh, Instagram ads? Yeah, yeah, Instagram right. ads. Right. R.I.P. Kristen Gillibrand's Dem- yeah. Democratic uh, campaign. Thank yeah. you for your service. Hopefully, other people will follow suit, including the mayor of New York City. We could afford to have lost him before we lost Gillibrand. Yeah. Yes. A moment of silence. And <laughs> all right. Well, you know, this takes this takes us all back. Nashville and Friday Night Lights takes us back to a particular decade, the last mm. decade for me. And why don't we get into the A sides and talk about another cultural moment? And then we'll talk about another one after that. Oh my yeah. God. <laughs> All right, and here we are in the A-sides, where we talk about top headlines of the last week, month, whenever, and just offer some quick takes. Today, we're going to be talking about something that happened uh, a few days ago when we are recording it, and then another week will have gone by, but it <laughs> drops, <laughs> but it's still going to be current. There it is. It's still recent. And that is Lana Del Rey's new album. Norman there it is. Fucking yeah. Rockwell. So, yeah. I mean, I've listened to it a couple times only because mm-hmm. I'm extremely busy and important. <laughs> That's a lot of times. I know. <laughs> I know. Um, are you have a devoted Lana? Oh, sorry. Oh, my God. We were asking the same question. Oh, are, are you, you a, are you a big fan? Yeah. I'm, I'm not. I'm not like, I'm not an, an I'm not anti, anti, yeah. but, um, yeah, I'm, I've never been, like, a big fan, but I kind of, like, I get it with some of her songs, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think somewhat I like her a little ironically, although, like, this album was a little bit different. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I don't know. What did you think, Hannah? Um, I feel like Lana would be really proud of you saying, like, I'm not a fan. Whatever you just said, I'm not a fan. What What is I'm <laughs> I'm, like sort of lukewarm whatever the way you said it i feel like lana would have approved like some like just like casual indifference but also like you know really actually taking it very seriously i have not been a fan of hers in the past like i don't not like her music i just don't listen to it um and i was really happy to listen to this album it feels like the day it came out and afterwards so many people who I feel like have great taste in music were like, this is everything. So I was like, okay, I guess I got to listen to it. And I really 
like it. I mean, she's just an incredible poet. That's like what, that's what she is. Like that is, you know, what she puts out into the world are like these incredible lyrics that are really powerful, really poignant, really like of the moment. And yet also like transcendent and will be relevant forever. I honestly, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to like go back to this album a ton of times. I don't think I'm going to like reach for it. I don't, I don't think I'm going to put a lot of these songs on my playlists, but like, this is the best of like poetry pop. Like it really, it really is. Yeah. I've, um, I will admit that I haven't given the album its fair share of listens, but it's because I not, I'm not really interested in listening to it. I don't know. She hasn't sort of what Hannah has said. It's like, it has people I've seen on Twitter, like that. I respect giving it like a lot of praise. I just like, don't jump to listen to her. One of my friends texted me today and asked if I had listened and she was like, you really should. It's really great. I don't know something about her. I just can't, I can't put my finger on it. She used to be, I feel like I used to think of her as like that girl in college. I hated. Mm -hmm. And she might still a little bit like that, but now I'm realizing that like, she's, she's a girl in college who we both hate the same boys. So the enemy, you know, of my enemy is my friend. And maybe we actually have Mm -hmm. more in common and we should be in cahoots with each other. Hmm. You know, I feel like, the, yeah, that's the vibe I'm getting with this. Yeah, album. or maybe it's both because like there's an evolution right. there. Maybe she was that, and then now you've realized that you hate the same boys, and right, and there's wow. a relationship there. I Honestly, wouldn't... it's probably me maturing more than her. She yeah. she seems to have been this mature the whole time. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. You're mature. You've been mature. Actually, I do think. I mean, re- like, um. I, Around the topic of maturity, I do think there's a really interesting balance that she um, strikes with this album where she really is producing like lyrics that are really vulnerable, really like um, introspective um, and like raw and like about what she's learning. Mm-hmm. And yet it's still incredibly mature. It's not like one or the other. It's like, this is my like path of learning and growth. This is like, you know, how I'm growing, but I'm like still incredibly mature. Whereas I feel like some artists don't always strike that balance super well. And I think she did a really good job on this album. Yeah, actually, something that I don't think about her, but Billboard credits her first album, Born to Die, for being one of the main catalysts for pop's mid 2010s shift from brash EDM to a moodier hip-hop inflicted palette. They also argue that this decade of popular music wouldn't be the same without Del Rey. Wow. That she's Thank you, Lana. Not just her peers, but the next generation of alternative leaning pop stars, Lord, Halsey, Billie Eilish, Banks, etc. And even and even Taylor. I was gonna add Taylor to that list, but they didn't. Yes. I think yeah. um I think Taylor is influenced. I mean, there's been times when I think if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, Taylor has said that she's influenced by Ilana actually. And I, this uh, just makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's hard to imagine uh, Billie Eilish or Lord without Lana Del Rey. Mm. And I do really like Lord. I, Billie Eilish, which can be a conversation for another day. I can't get into. Oh my God. I love her music either. I know people really love her. I, something maybe about Lana too. I just, I, I'm not into it yet. I um so I bought the deluxe version of Lover, Taylor Swift's new album last week, um, which includes some of her journals, as you know, as many of you might know, um, like, you know, uh, Xerox copies of a bunch of her journals over the years. And there was a moment when I was listening to this album of Lana's where I was like, I want Lana's journals, like mm-hmm. fuck Taylor's journals. I want Lana's like, oh my God, this shit is good. And like, can you imagine what 
her journals are full of the poetry, but also just like the reflections. I was like, wow, I want, I want the deluxe album yeah. of it. Lana's also in her mid thirties. Um, she's a bit older than like the other pop stars that we see too, which I think can talk speak to her maturity and your maturity, but yeah, her maturity. our maturity. Our. She does have a beautiful voice. Yeah, she really does. And just to sort of like cap off what we're all saying here. Um, yeah, this, I mean, not unlike Lover, um, I did, and I don't know her music as well or for as long as I've known Taylor's, but it did sort of seem like a, like kind of the pinnacle of her music so far and like the most mature and just sort of like the best in a number of ways. One of which is that it is sort of like a, like in its own way, it's a time capsule of 2019. And I saw some reviews that were saying the same thing in the sense that it's like very self-aware in a way that people are, are pretty aware of themselves and what's going on in this moment more than many others are. And then like in Vulture, um, Vulture said that she's a fascinating character, a composite sketch of ill-fated Hollywood starlet freaked out rock stars, and that she weaponizes the imagery of Americana against itself. And I think she actually does that here in a, in a pretty cool way. And there's a lot about her evolution from 2011 to now in a way that I think we've all evolved, um, you know, personally and politically and in all those ways. I think one song that really exemplifies that is The Greatest. Um, which is one of the songs that has a music video too. Um, I think it's, it's this amazing song that is like about, or really kind of like calls on this existential angst that I was about to say it's millennial, but who doesn't feel that? I think that's a, that's a universal. Um, and, and it's like low key also about climate change and like those two things go together and it doesn't feel forced. And we've talked about on the podcast in the past about how sometimes when things become a little, um, not even political, but just like, uh, relevant or just like about the times things can start to feel really forced and like you're trying to like mix metaphors and like doing too much at once and this just like didn't feel forced it was like there's a you know LA is burning and like that means a few different things right now yeah 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 that was one of my favorite songs too yeah. all right you guys have convinced me give all it right. another listen that was easy okay. done <laughs> another thing off my list all right um cool well if this is a time capsule of 2019 let's get into some time capsules of 1999 as songs with the b-sides what a segue nice all right here we are in the b-sides here we are here we are get into another topic here this is the last episode of summer 2019 whoa is it not whoa wow that happened so fast which also means it's the 20th anniversary of summer 1999 uh-huh it's crazy whoa. how math works that way <laughs> um so we're going to be talking about some smash hits of 1999 today and and we're going to get into that in a little bit 
I posted this on the Instagram account. I'm going to say it again now. It was Prince who said it best. 2000 party over oops, out of time. So tonight we're going to podcast about 1999. Nailed it. That's exactly how he said it. So yeah, so I was thinking about this episode because in late July, it was the 20th anniversary of Steal My Sunshine, Mm -hmm. the smash one-hit wonder by Canadian sibling band Len. The internet was celebrating, like people our age and a little older were celebrating this. And it just got me thinking about this larger question of these like standout, cheesy, endearing, weird, like lyrical question mark songs. Uh many of which come from 1999 yeah. and there are always something in the water. There was something in the water and there were just some songs that I don't think would stick in quite the same way today, but they stick with us from that period. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're lighthearted nostalgia and, and they're great. So um, part of the thesis of this, well, there's this question of like, what about 1999 mm-hmm. lent itself? so well to songs like this. And the songs we're going to talk about, Lens, Steal My Sunshine, LFO's Summer Girls, and Smash Mouth's All-Star. Would it be anything else? No. And there are more songs like this. But what about 1999 was sort of like right for this moment? Um, So we're going to get into that. And I would like to say too that there are a lot of other songs from 1999 that were hits that are still hits in a different way. Like this was the year of baby one more time. Mm. This was the year of say my name. Wow. Heartbreaker by Mariah Carey. There's a lot. Um, but there were, there was also heartbreaker is like the best song in the world. It's the best song in the world. And it's like, it's, it's pop gold. Um, but there was also this subset of like wackiness (laughs) that doesn't appear later. So the thesis is sort of, and when we were, I was kind of like writing up this episode and Hannah was like, this is kind of the thesis, right? The thesis is essentially that um, this was a moment before pop single creation became much more formalized and formulaic. And there were, there were more rooms for surprise hits instead of going into it being like, this one's going to be a smash. And this one's, this one's going to be not quite a smash. (laughs) Things like this. This one's going to yeah. be Smash Mouth. Um, oh my god! So I never thought. I never thought about how their name is like a Smash Mouth is like about being superstars who sing. Do you ever think about that? I've never once thought about that. This Me either. We're making smashes with our mouths. Is that really what they I thought? Don't know. About? <laughs> I don't know. It sounds. It sounds right to me. Okay. Look, the song starts acapella. If you really think about it, so it is Smash Mouth. There you go. Literally, I only think about Smash Mouth and the Shrek soundtrack. Of course. Absolutely. That's important. That's a huge part of this. That's, yeah. Shrek is central. Central. Success in a way that they will never live down. So true. Um, or should they? Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's talk about this moment just for a second before we get into the specific songs, because on this podcast, we do like to talk about politics and pop together when we can and the way that politics... Uh, the way that pop music reflects yeah. and refracts the the political moment that we're in. Um, I'd also like to say that we were all very young in 1999. I was eight. I was listening to music that I sh- that eight year olds like shouldn't be listening to, but I wasn't closely supervised, and so I was <laughs> listening to whatever I wanted. Um, 
So there was that, but it is, we were all very young. We were all seven or eight. So we kind of have to like think about this looking back as adults Mm -hmm. a little bit, but that's, what's so interesting about it to me. So, so what I'm going to, what I'm going to say here is kind of dilutes American history a little bit. It's a little, (laughs) it's a little, uh, you know, I'm skating over a lot of things here, but I'm skating over less than most uh, public history projects do. When I say that America has essentially been like just a very long string of crises, one after another, economic crises, warmongering at home and abroad, um, broad geopolitical terror, frankly, uh, for hundreds of years. And I see 1999 and really the late 90s as kind of like a brief, the briefest respite from that before we got right back into it. And there, there seemed to be sort of, granted, there were issues for sure, but not on sort of like the same closer to being all consuming level that is experienced in most of American history. And so there's sort of like this kind of like pure optimism moment. People are just a little more like down to clown, yeah. I think, in this moment than they are uh, before or after. And as someone who came of age in the aughts, as we all did, I'm kind of like fascinated by the cultural artifacts that reflect the idea that there is like this moment of pure optimism yeah. in adulthood. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And part of it is, you know, like we're hurtling towards something new, like 1999. It's like, this is the last year of the millennium. Yeah. Like technically it's 2000, but I'm not going to be that person about it. Um, so yeah, we're hurtling towards something new and perspective altering no matter what. And that is Y2K and the mm-hmm. new millennium at large. Mm-hmm. So there, there's this big moment there. And I feel like what you're sharing is that it wasn't that um, everything was fine. But there was like, there was an overall sense that there was space in pop culture for optimism. Whereas like in the next few years, optimism actually became gauche, Mm -hmm. you know, or like kind of these, this like the wild, I feel like there was room for this optimism and room for all, all the bigness of the nineties, the big thinking about like the big weddings, the big events, the big music videos, the, just like how much the music of this time is just like huge. Like like oh, sonically, physically, it feels mm-hmm. like there was all this hugeness that then wasn't possible after, after that time. I do want to make one comment that I think we yeah. do need to discuss that like the Democratic Party was like pretty much a mess yeah. in 1999 because Clinton had just been impeached in December of 1998 and yes, he was subsequently acquitted in 1999, but like the party and everything around like the Demo- Democrats deal. with a capital D um, was bad. Yeah. And like our president had just uh, created a lot of distrust with the people uh, with the whole Monica Lewinsky. We don't need to get into that. But I think that that's important also for a backdrop of what's going on. And also it's hard. Like we know what's going to happen in the future, but like 2000 and Gore mm-hmm. and Bush. Like, I guess that's also too when it's like calm before the storm was yeah. 1999 before all the shittiness happened then. 
Yeah. And I feel like even the fact that you're bringing up what the Democratic Party was in 1999, which I think is so real as a backdrop, part of what what I feel was true about this time, although again, I was a, a little one, is that like you could decide to opt in or opt out of that conversation. Whereas in future times, politics is more all consuming in different ways. But like, if you wanted to be someone who just like, and of course, many people opt out of these conversations still to this day, it's fine. But there was, there was not this like fundamental existential threat. Right. Um, it was yeah, like, I mean, Democratic Party is going through something, but I don't have to deal with that if I don't want to. Yeah. We don't have Twitter and social media the way we did 20 years ago. Yep. Right. And I think it's important that I, we're definitely relitigating a lot of the socio political landscape of the 1990s as we should be Mm -hmm. with Anita Hill and with Monica Lewinsky and people who were the brunt of jokes that they shouldn't have been. Mm -hmm. But the stakes for people living their everyday lives and the country itself were so much lower with that scandal than so many other things. And so I actually think that that, yeah, I, I think, I think you're right in that. And I also think, uh, that scandal for what it was sort of like and how huge it was. And the fact that there weren't other things that crept in and dominated in the same way kind of like proves the, and the it, silliness. And it open, it, right. It opened space for silliness. Mm-hmm. It opened space for like weird stuff to suddenly become famous. It opened space for a lot of new artists who got really famous around this time and are still famous today because we were like ready to usher in this era of like Britney, Justin, and and Beyonce, who have all had this incredible staying power, unlike some of the people we're going to go into today. But um, I think it was totally. Yeah, totally a calm before the storm in that way. Exactly. Cool. Um, the storm not being the year 2000, because Y2K is so funny in retrospect. It was like so overblown and yeah. so like campy. It was like digital campy. I don't know. <laughs> right. NSYNC. It was digital get down by NSYNC for sure. Um, digital, digital get down. <laughs> and the real crisis was 9-11. Oops. Yep. That was the real crisis. We didn't quite see it coming but well, one could argue we did see it coming, but some of us should have seen it coming, but we were. One could argue the president did, in fact, see it coming, but just didn't respond to internal memos. But sure, go right. on. One, one could say hypothetically that there were some people asleep at the wheel. Yeah, um, certainly there were. And it's, it's interesting because it's like sort of we were bracing for something to happen and then it didn't happen. And then it happened a year later. Yeah. And that has affected our generation in a big way, certainly. And this episode is coming out on the 18th anniversary of 9-11, which is truly wild. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's something to think about. But, um, you know, when we talk about the way that pop sort of like reflects political landscapes, mm-hmm. the music that caught on in 1999, a lot of it just wasn't the kind of thing that would catch on in the same way a couple years later when yeah. things just got much more like tighter and restricted there's this excited nervous energy yeah um and pop music and pop culture was ripe for that in 1999 okay so let's talk about these songs that are basically nonsense non sequiturs but also they're really endearing and they're also like they all have like kind of dark elements to them as well right and you know that's what we love here so okay the first one lens steal my sunshine So I'll give a little background on this song. Please do. This is a one-hit wonder. 
dropped by again Canadian sibling band yeah. Len Mar- you have to say it Mark and Sharon Costanzo in July 1999 and it's like in some ways the most optimistic cheesy feel-good sounding song I've ever heard the lyrics are like fully nonsense absolutely but also a little dark steal my sunshine kind of, yeah how dare you? I know it's done for me if you steal my sunshine. That's really sad. Yeah. Really sad. Yeah. But um, he was right. People did steal their sunshine. It's gone. Certainly. It's gone. Yeah. And it sounds so happy, though. And the music video is, like, so insane. It was shot with no script, no storyboard, but there were jet skis, and there were go-karts, and there were scooters, and it yeah. was in Daytona Beach, Florida. Nice. What and else do you need? That you don't need anything else except a hundred thousand dollars, which they spent mostly on booze. Nice. Summer nineteen ninety nine smash, mm-hmm. baby. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, where has Len been ever since? Does anyone know? Dead. Before you uh reminded us about this song um for this episode, like I couldn't even have told you who the artist was. He's dead. No. No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> sorry <laughs> we're getting yeah, we're okay, get that's there. pretty fucked up of me then i just assumed i had no room i thought he was dead go on <laughs> yeah so funny so this if we talk about um the trajectory of the artists and the song together and separately sort of the like len has kind of like disappeared faded and i think that makes sense and the siblings are i think estranged now which is a little bit sad as well um but this song has had a long afterlife, which is kind of cool, outside of the competitive pop charts. So it's like resurfaced a lot of times in TV show episodes and movie soundtracks and things like that. I don't know. It's just, it's just one of those songs that's like easy to come back to you as kind of a joke, but, yeah. and also as kind of like an internet meme kind of thing. Yep. And uh, so that's where we are with Steal My Sunshine. I think part of why that's possible in, in terms of like why it has um, such of this kind of staying power is because one, that it's so evocative of a specific, of this part of culture that we're talking about here. So if someone in, a, you know, if a movie director or a TV show director or just someone DJing a, a party wants to kind of like hearken to a specific kind of feeling, this song will give you that feeling Mm -hmm. as will the other two songs we're talking about today. Um, And I think another piece, um, the Steal My Sunshine being like dark about it, it reminds me of like songs like Glory Days by Bruce Springsteen. Um, or, or maybe even Death by a Thousand Cuts by Taylor Swift. Where there are songs that just, yeah. um, you sing along because at first glance, the, the, the catchiness and the bounciness and the good vibes are like really up there and you just don't need to listen to the lyrics. You just don't need to. And then if you do, yeah, you're like, oh, sunshine. what? Yeah. Right. Like you're just like, the word sunshine is here. Great. And the music video is so fun. You're like, oh my God. They don't really ask you to think much about it. No. No. They've blacked out on Daytona Beach right, they're and they're, they're fine. Yeah. Yeah. And these songs are all nostalgic for different reasons but they they do all sort of like harken back to that same 
moment and they do all sort of have this feel good vibe to them where there's there's something else brewing under the surface so the next song we're going to talk about is lfo's summer girls when I met you, I said my name is Rich. You look like a girl from Abercrombie and Fitch. New kids on the block, had a bunch of hits. Chinese food makes me sick. And I think it's fly when girls stop by for the summer. This is a great song. I mean, speaking of non sequiturs, this song, I can't think of a song with more non sequiturs than this one. Sure. And, okay, so here's, here's the background on LFO, unless anyone else wants to give it, if you know it. All right. Do it. So uh, I consider them like a bad boy boy band from from Massachusetts. Is it because they're from Massachusetts? Massachusetts Massachusetts is where all the boy band the bad the bad boys are. That's right. where the bad boys are. Not really, although it's something to consider that like New England kind of. I don't know. Uh, I'm trying it's to think vibe. of it's a, it's a vibe. So. Um, the way he says sonnets, Billy Shakespeare wrote a whole bunch of sonnets to like rhyme, but also part of it, part of it is like the rap element of that song. Yes. Um, and so Rich Cronin was the front man um, and he wrote this song mm. with a couple of collaborators, but that was rare for boy bands back in the day. And they actually had a whole... Uh, they sort of, I think, had the singles laid out and a whole album, and this song kind of like made it into made it into like single status yeah. by accident because wow. at their label, someone sort of lower down heard it and then sent it to a radio station in DC, and then someone who a big shot at a New York radio station who was in DC for a moment heard it on the radio and then was like, "I like this." That's wild. Yeah, um, and then it blew up. No. Wow. In a way that just, it's just things were a little more like fluid and flexible back yeah. then. Um, so yeah, it's part of the sort of like, this is like earnest and weird and fun. I so remember, I remember my first impression of the song. Yeah. And I was like seven and I was like, these lyrics are weird. Mm-hmm. Like I remember being like, why? I just remember being really young and yet feeling really mature enough to be like, what? Like, why is there a brand in the chorus of a song? Yeah. I thought it was weird. I liked it, but I remember feeling like it was a little bit um, immature when I was seven. <laughs> yes. Probably because at seven, you were more mature than a lot of, like, teen boys. Maybe I was just like, get me back to the Macarena. Like, that was more fun than this. Yeah, but right. I was like, I got to go to Abercrombie and Fitch. You were? Yeah, it worked on me. Good. Look, if this is what Rich Cronin likes, it's time to haul ass to Abercrombie and Fitch <laughs> and make it happen, baby. I'm eight. Let's go. Let's go. Let's do this. That's Let's right. Go to the mall today. <laughs> yes. Um, it's very it is like what talking to a lot of in my experience mm-hmm. as a teen, talking to like a lot of teen boys is like. It's mm-hmm. like this sort of they're they're telling you their feelings mm-hmm. and then there's just like a complete non sequitur. Yeah. Chinese food makes me sick. And then they're just like back to it. <laughs> they're like doing the best they can, but it's just like not, oh my God. it's going somewhere, but it's like maybe not going there fast enough. You know what I mean? Oh, it's wild. It's just a wild ride. Yeah. And the music video, I really like a lot too. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's taken some heat, but it's just this like dreamy New England beach boardwalk yeah. in 99, which yeah. I kind of love. So, 
that's where we're at with LFO. And then ever since, so this is uh, what Becky was alluding to. This is the sad story of LFO. Sorry that I mixed them up. That's okay. This is bad. Yeah. So they had a couple of other hits like Girl on TV and Every Other Time in 2001. It's a, a, a good one, too. I love Every Other Time. Love he, that song. He dated Jennifer Love Hewitt. Really? Right. So that's yeah. what Girl on TV is about. And she was in the music video. Right, and right, right. not to bring everything back to TRL, but she had previously dated Carson Daly, oh who was the DJ. So that song was like kind of like a tenuous thing, and it didn't get super successful, I think, partially wow. because of that. Yeah. So... um. So, yeah, but unfortunately, since this era, two out of three of the bandmates have passed away from cancer. Um, Rich Cronin developed in 2005 and passed away in 2010. And then Devin Lima, uh, one of the other bandmates, died in 2018. So Brad Fischetti is the remaining, the standalone, um, which sad. is sad, but it it's sort of like... It is sad. No, no buts about it. Yeah. It is sad. Um, at the same time, I don't know. This song is such a time capsule to 1999. And, uh, you know, the sorrow that sort of follows it and, and what can happen in life is sort of secondary to the persistent joy of the song and the moment. And yeah. it's, it's afterlife. Yeah. yeah and, and sort of like the last thing with these non sequiturs and all of the uh, Abercrombie Fish, New Kids on the Block, mm-hmm. Michael J. Fox was Alex P. Keaton, <laughs> Kevin Bacon, Footloose, like all of these things. There are all these like cultural touchstones yeah. that people who were teens or young in, in the late 90s um, can all relate to. So it's sort yeah. of like a cult classic of a song at this point. And it's kind of like, if you know, you know. And yes. there is, it's not, I don't think it's meant to be excluding anyone. But at the same time, it is kind of like an exclusive club of like, you either get this or you don't. And you can look it up. But, you know, they're nonsense lyrics nonetheless. And I think we can all agree on that. I love it. Yeah. It'll be be relevant forever, but only for certain people. Exactly. (laughs) And that's that's the way I like it. Exactly. Anything else on the song? It's resonances? Anything? I'm happy for them and I'm sad that they're dead. Me too. Yeah. I am. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. Last one. Smash Mouth All Star. This is the biggest one, right? Hey now, you're an all star. Get your game on. Go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on. Get paid. All that glitters is gold. Only shooting stars bring the mold. This is like yeah, the for good. sure. Thank it's you, Shrek. Out of the mouth. But even before Shrek, which is my favorite movie of all time, mm-hmm. um, I, my uh, neighbors and I danced to this song. We had a choreographed dance for our block party this summer, the summer of 1999. And wow. Someone came out with an L on her forehead and we like had all these like inflatable like bats and we're like hitting her with them. That's my memory of dancing to this song in public in our entire block. Iconic. Yeah. Where's the video now? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Let's release the tapes. (laughs) Show us the tapes. Okay. Smash Mouth, California pop rock band, Smash Mouth. Woke as fuck, 
California pop woke. Band. Smash Mouth needed a smash hit, so oh. that "Walking on the Sun." That's that's what it's called, right? Yeah, walking might on as the well sun. be walking on the sun. Yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah. So that wouldn't become a one-hit wonder, right? In the vein of Len, right? In the vein of Sun-related songs becoming one-hit <laughs> wonders, uh, they needed another smash. So um, the lead guitarist and songwriter Greg Camp, okay, who is not the guy that we're all like, it's the Smash Mouth guy. He's like the oh, guitarist. Really? Yeah. Okay. He penned this song to after the rest of their album was done to speak to some of their young fans huh. and make a smash. Um, so is this is this the opposite of um, the of 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 LFOs because it was actually like created to be a smash as opposed to Summer Girls was just like happened exactly that's how i see it too yeah it's interesting because they both sort of like arrive at the same moment and they both are sort of like throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks but this one was definitely more calculated yeah yeah it's just the the like you got this kind of like lyrics (laughs) you know the chord progression isn't actually like that happy Uh uh-huh but that's okay. But it's like really infectious. Yeah. And the song is very yeah. like, you got this. So it's, it's fine. very good sing-along song. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. When you guys first heard, and in the intervening years, when you heard All That Glitters is Gold, did that make sense to you in any way? No. And I didn't care. Same. Like I was okay. But now that we interrogate it, I feel like I should have paid attention to that it was nonsense and in my brain and in the moment i was like glitter and gold mm-hmm. sure yeah i didn't think about it at all yeah. i was like this is great i love this um I would guess lyric- it would be like all that glitters is like all that shines is great you know mm-hmm. yeah but that doesn't make any sense like you shine you're great you know like shine shine mm-hmm. on you know I don't, I don't know right it doesn't have to be real gold sure to be gold yeah. you would actually think that like I I feel like what you would expect from a band like Smash Mouth is that they're actually that they would say all that glitters is not gold. Yes. Like that's actually the message I think you would expect it yeah. to be. Like don't fall for shiny things, but in fact they're saying, nope, there's something shiny. It is inherently valuable. Yes. <laughs> and I think the reason for this, and I did not know this for 20 years, mm-hmm. and now we're all gonna know it together, it is will. that the original lyrics to this because Greg Camp was like kind of dark and he was like kind of mad that he had to do this. The original mm-hmm. lyrics were say bye-bye to your soul. Oh <laughs> my God. Whoa. Holy shit. Say bye-bye to your soul. Only oh, shooting shoot. stars. That is dark. That makes so much more sense though, doesn't it? Say goodbye. Say bye-bye to your soul. Only shooting stars break the mold. It's like selling yeah. out. It's yeah. like, I'll yeah. do whatever it takes to sell out. I'll sell my soul. I will change the, I will change the lyrics to a song I wrote <laughs> to break the mold and become a shooting star. Literally. Exactly. Oh my God. So anyway, um, this song dropped in May of 1999, quickly pervaded our lives. We've never been the same. Um, no, we'll never be the same. Yeah, it's the world's best karaoke song. Easily. It's it's inescapable. Yeah. It's true. As the best karaoke songs are. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, Smash Mouth ever since. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this song has never left us and it probably never will. It was in Shrek. Thank you Shrek franchise for Thank keeping the song around forever. Shrek. It was <laughs> Yeah. Uh it was that in and Hallelujah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, true. 
Heartbreaking. It was in The Simpsons. It was in Guitar Hero. It was in Toyota commercials. These Mm -hmm. are all the things that I love. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just exploded on the internet too. This of of the three, this one is like the the is like a crazy meme. It's like it's very malleable. When YouTube came around in the mid aughts, pretty quickly there were all of these like Smash Mouth uh, recontextualized. Yeah. videos where it's just like like the song like slowed down to a certain degree or like different lyrics or it's just they're a million you can look them all up there are a million iterations do you think you could find some of them and put them in the show notes for this episode because i don't know about this as much as you do and i want to i want to consume all of them unfortunately (laughs) i can find them very quickly uh quicker than i care to admit but i will put them in the show notes i can't wait yeah and then I'll also just put the link to like the evolution of Smash Mouth yeah. memes. Uh-huh. Because there are a lot of meme crafters out there who who are inspired. Yeah, they're just really inspired. I don't know. Um they're they're just a million Smash Mouth memes. And all star memes specifically. And they're all perfect. And yeah, they're all they're all fully perfect. And they're Release the memes. Release the memes. <laughs> yes and they're just all um i don't know i'm just like so interested in how particularly for this song how uh like this song that probably wouldn't have made it as big a couple years later has gotten just like remediated constantly because it had that moment in 1999 and then for the next 20 years it's just like it's in this it's in that Mm -hmm. it's now a meme memes were not a concept back then but maybe it's like the pretext for you know and there's something that's wild about this that I feel like um, the other one, the other song we talked about today that this reminds me of is "Say My Name," where even though "Say My Name" like is good in a way that this is different, but anyway, I think the point still stands. Like a lot of times, we come back to songs that are 20 years old and we like rediscover them as a culture, but no one is rediscovering "All Star" because it, it never ever goes away. Right? You know, like it's not something. Like I think some people who are listening to this episode might be like, "Oh my god." Summer Girls, 20 years. I haven't thought about that in so long. No one is saying that about All Star, right? right. Like, it right. has yeah. never not gone nuts. Yeah. You know, I wonder if we did some sort of brain, you know, math, how long do people go between All Star thoughts a month? Yeah, it's true. Uh, yeah. Two months at the most. You can't, you can't go that long without thinking about All Star. <laughs> it's true. It's sort of, and to kind of like sum up all of these, do you guys, um, know that psychological principle that's kind of like you think that the things that you think about a lot and remember a lot that happened a long time ago are the things that you know best but it's really the things that you haven't thought about in a long time but then suddenly occur to you that are actually like closest to how they were in that moment because you haven't presented them in your mind over and over so they are as close uh, they're much closer to like the actual experience as oh, it was sure. exactly than something that you've thought about a bunch and possibly changed in your mind without realizing it. So are you saying that I never danced to this song at my block party? Possibly. Yes. Um, <laughs> this is my way of breaking it to you. It's my roundabout way. Wow. No, it's, it's really just that what I'm, what I'm saying is that all star has been such a constant that it's like, do I really even remember what it was like when I first heard it? Like, I've just heard it constantly. It's just yeah. a part. It's it's the oxygen. <laughs> it's the air the I breathe. The water that I swim in is the fish in the ocean. Right. This song is about climate change also. 
relevant. Right. Relevant. Yep. Um, but in like a fun way where it's like, this is a problem, but like, LOL, we'll deal with it later. Maybe if they had made the line say by body or soul, people would have really woken up that this was a song about like an urgent crisis and maybe yeah. we wouldn't be in the position that we're in today. Yeah. I'm willing to get behind that. Yeah. Yeah. So, but then for, for songs more like Steal My Sunshine or Summer Girls, it's mm-hmm. like, if you don't think about it that often, cause it's not as pervasive yeah. and then you think about it, it's much more of kind of like a time capsule. Yeah than all-star is, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love that. So yeah, we love our rare and lyrically nonsensical songs. Um, So if those are 1999 summer songs, does anybody have a a memory from summer 1999 that they want to share with the class? Anybody remember what that summer was like? When did the song, uh, Carlos Santana song, come out with Rob Thomas? Same year. Yeah, that's my memory. Oh my God. That's a huge that's a huge one. Nice. When I think of that, that's what I think of. And I think of this time that I went to San Francisco with my dad and we listened to that song in a convertible. That's oh, all I think about. Beautiful. That's a great that's a beautiful memory. That I is. I uh thought about putting that song in here, mm. but it was like a little bit later and a little like bleeding into two thousand more and I was like, This song is I mean, that song is everywhere. How many times have you seen on Twitter? Man, it's a hot one. Yeah. <laughs> like, so good you know um yeah Yeah. great song I remember um I mean I remember listening to No Scrubs wow yeah I remember listening to Baby One More Time and people doing karaoke to it when I was at camp and I was like I'm eight (laughs) (laughs) hi everyone my name is Mimi and I'm eight right I'm not really uh comfortable doing this right now but I'm here for it yeah no it was a great it was a great summer so yeah. So yeah, you know, these, these origin stories are just mm-hmm. kind of interesting for this particular moment. So that's why we're talking about it on mm-hmm. the 18th anniversary of 9-11. Oh, I'm so sorry, everybody. Sorry. <laughs> you know, okay. So that's about it. You know, pop culture was light. It was grandiose. Yeah. It was, it was fun. It was hazily apocalyptic. Unlike now where it's like just more crystal mm. crystallized. Uh, apocalyptic energy sure. yeah so you know 20 years and two millennia later here we are here we are um all right so let's get into the you sides because i did coerce um our followers on instagram to vote in a poll about their favorite lyrics to these songs yeah so let's hear what you guys had to say All right, so we're back with the U-Sides. And basically what I elected to do was my favorite thing to do, which is create a bracket on Instagram, an Instagram poll where uh, you guys voted for your favorite lyrics for each of these songs that we just talked about. There was a glitch in the Matrix where for some people, for the Steal My Sunshine poll, it would just like skip ahead before you could vote. Yeah, And Becky alerted me to this immediately. Um, and I couldn't see it and some other people couldn't see it, but then actually like later on it did that like 16 hours in, it did that for me. And I was like, okay, now I can see it. Whatever. It's a, it's a glitch. Just like steal my sunshine. It's perfect. Um, so this was an exclusive club that got to vote for steal my sunshine, but everyone's favorite lyric, ultimately majority rule was I was lying on the grass on Sunday morning of last week, indulging in my (laughs) self-defeat. I was lying on the grass on 
lyrics are so ridiculous. We have the best followers. If that's what the yeah. favorite li- line was, it's amazing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> all right. I think it speaks for itself. It does. LFO Summer Girls. Of course, this one, but I like girls that wear out Abercrombie and Fish. Yeah. I'd take her if I had one wish. I like girls that wear Abercrombie and Fish. I'd take her if I had one wish. Classic. It's a classic, yeah. Um, second place runner-up, which is my favorite lyric, is there was a good man named Paul Revere. <laughs> I feel much better, baby, when you're near. There was a good man named Paul Revere. I feel much better, baby, when you're near. It's just like, it's so like earnest and it's such a non sequitur. I have to admit something. When I first time I looked at this, I didn't read closely enough. And I thought that you had made up lyrics that could have been in the song. And I thought that the Paul Revere lyric was something that you had made up. I thought we were, we were guessing what had been, what's an actual lyric and what is something that you made up. Because she, this is absolutely the kind of lyric that Mimi would make up yeah. and put in a pop song. Then I, then I looked at it again. And I was like, oh my God, these are real. It's and... Real. Yeah, so be honored to know I thought you had made that lyric up. I am. I mean, this is who I... It's great that you have this understanding of me because it's... I am this, this like, garbage trash history, but then, like, very earnest uh, kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I wish I had. That would have been a great idea. But no, these are all these are all very real. Um, I feel as though I made up that lyric, though. So that should count for something. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, with All Star... Smash Mouth, the years start coming and they don't stop coming, first of all. So true. Yeah. Just objectively. Fed to the rules and I hit the ground running. Well, the years start coming and they don't stop coming. Fed to the rules and I hit the ground running. Wait, is that what the line is? Mm-hmm. I always thought back to the rules. Nope. I, w- I, I noticed that on the poll and I was like, oh, right. Fed to the rules? Like I'm being fed mm-hmm. by whom? Look, only shooting stars break the mold. Say bye-bye to your soul. You're being fed to the rules. Who makes the rules? This is wild. You know who makes the rules. Bill Clinton. (laughs) Precisely. Precisely. Um, The deep state of 1999. Yeah. Okay. So thank you all for voting in that chaotic poll. Let us know know if you like more of these brackets because we highly enjoy them. And I hope you do too. And everyone was like, oh, shit, all stars, the climate change anthem. Yes. <laughs> yes. Fully. All right. Well, I think that's our show. Yes. Okay. Yeah. What a show it's been. Yeah. It's been great. So thanks for all of your input on this. And we love talking with you all. We do. So, you know, we'll we'll talk to you more. Yeah. We'll talk to you more soon. Um, but you can subscribe. You can subscribe. We're everywhere that you can find podcasts, which includes Spotify and Apple Music and anywhere else. Mm-hmm. SoundCloud, that's where we, that's where yeah. we start. Yeah. That's where it all starts. That is. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at listen to the B-Sides, on Twitter at the B-Sides pod, where mm-hmm. we still don't really tweet that much, but like we're getting there. We, we retweet a lot of really good internet content. So be there for the RTs. <laughs> this is true. One day we'll get there. Yeah. When I quit my job, <laughs> that's that'll be the day. Exactly. We'll tweet constantly. Great. And you can join our Facebook group where there are a lot of fun conversations going on all the time by searching the B-Sides or going to bit.ly slash B-Sides FB group. Yes. You can also email us with questions and ideas at listen to the B-Sides mm-hmm. at gmail.com. Yeah. 
And that's about it. If you do um, review us on iTunes or anywhere else, um, you know, I would personally appreciate it if you put Abercrombie and Fitch (laughs) in the reviews somehow. I think it would be really disorienting in the best possible way. Yeah. We'll be so grateful. So grateful. Yep. All right. And that's about it. So we will see you in two Wednesdays. Until the next time we cut to the feeling, I'm Mimi. I'm Hedda Zoe. And I'm Becky. Bye, everybody. Bye. Yeah. Bye.